T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It is a wide field of Democrats vying for the chance to unseat Republican Governor Bruce Rauner. And if, as some people believe, it's money that fuels high-level political campaigns, then you're going to hear from the candidate with the biggest gas tank in this race. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guest this week is J.B. Pritzker, the billionaire venture capitalist, entrepreneur, and philanthropist who is one of the eight Democrats seeking the party's nomination for governor. Uh, Mr. Pritzker is part of the family that owns the Hyatt Hotel chain, but he chose not to go into the hospitality field. He is a lawyer with a degree in political science. As a businessman, Mr. Pritzker has invested in high-end tech companies. He chairs Chicago Next, which is the city uh, city's Council on Innovation and Technology, and he helped found 1871. That's the high-tech entrepreneurial uh, workspace and business incubator. Now, despite being born rich, Mr. Pritzker toiled in the trenches for the Democratic Party and on progressive causes. Two years ago, Pritzker and his wife donated $100 million to the Northwestern University Law School. Uh, They and their two children live in Chicago. J.B. Pritzker, welcome. Thanks for having me. It is a pleasure. Um, There are some people who are stunned by the amount of money that is expected to be spent on the Illinois governor's race. The Sun-Times suggests that uh, multimillionaire incumbent Bruce Rauner is spending some $21,000 a day on his campaign. The paper says you're spending more than $100,000 a day, mainly for commercials, which we see quite often. Um... Is this really what it takes? And is this, you know, people keep talking about this is the clash of the titans, uh, not to take away from the other people in the field, but is that what our politics have become? Well, I'm stunned, too, at the amount of money that Bruce Rauner wrote a check for into his campaign account back in December, uh, and then the amount of money, which was $50 million, by the way, and then the amount of money that uh, Ken Griffin, the wealthiest man in Illinois, wrote uh, to Bruce Rauner's campaign, which was $20 million, and the tens of millions of dollars that are expected to come in from the Koch brothers network, who have been really invading Illinois politics for the last, at least the last four years. Uh, so, you know, the Titan, uh, the one who's caused this uh, problem in Illinois politics, really has been Bruce Rauner and his pals uh, in that right-wing Koch brothers network. Um, you know, I'm trying to introduce myself to Illinois voters across the state. Um, and as you've seen, I've run commercials and uh, sent some mail just to try to do that, let people know who I am and what I stand for and what I've done in my life. As you've noticed, also, I'm running a very positive campaign. I'm not attacking anybody in the Democratic primary, um, but I am pointing out the failures of Bruce Rauner. He has, as you know, failed in so many ways. He has torn apart the social safety net in this state, uh, which is there for everybody, by the way, because anything can happen in one's life that leads one to that safety net. 
Um, he's also stood up against labor unions and working families. He wants to tear apart uh, unions and he wants to lower wages in the state. Uh, so many of the things that he's been um, advocating for are things that Illinois voters just don't stand for. And I think when he was running in the first place, uh, he lied to the voters. He really didn't tell the truth when he put on his uh, Timex watch and he put on his, you know, L.L. Bean plaid shirt and his Carhartt jacket. It turned out there was a hidden agenda underneath that Carhartt jacket and he revealed it after he got elected. So I plan to uh, take him on and I've been doing that every single day and plan to do that all through uh, this year and next year because he's got to be defeated and we've got to change Illinois, make sure that we're creating jobs funding education in this state, and standing up for health care and against Trump care. But the governor himself ran on a promise to change Illinois and saying Illinois needed change. Um, talk well, he's about changed difference. it all, all right. He's changed it. Um, Illinois is not the place that it was uh, two and a half years ago when he took office. In fact, uh, he's driven it off the cliff. There's a reason why the Wall Street Journal calls him Governor Junk. Um, the state uh, heading into junk status is because Bruce Rauner is the one who stood intransigent for two years against any budget um, and who held us all hostage to this right-wing agenda that he brought. Mm. Uh, a lot of the week's headlines uh, this past week have focused on the repercussions of the governor's staff shakeups. Um, what do you make of, of Governor Rauner sweeping out his policy and communications teams uh, after the legislature Veto, uh, overrode his veto of the budget bill. Well, I, you know, I'm as uh, bewildered as, as others. I think this is probably an indication uh, that the governor uh, was uh, hard right wing to begin with and that in order to get elected the first time, uh, he wanted to present himself as a moderate uh, and that's how he got elected. But here we are. Um, I think he's showing his true colors. So he's brought in the Illinois Policy Institute um, uh, staff to run the state of Illinois. And as you've seen, uh, several of them have been sort of found out to be so far right wing that they're unacceptable. Unfortunately, he's even keeping some of those people on his staff, including a woman who uh, refers to abortion um, as some kind of uh, Nazi endeavor. Um, and it's offensive, frankly, to those of us who are pro-choice and those of us who are Jewish. Um, and it's somebody that shouldn't remain on his staff. Now, there are people who would suggest that uh, Governor Rauner should have portrayed uh, the outcome of the legislative session as a win. Uh, let's face it, he, his, his veto was overridden, but that means the state probably isn't going to end up with junk status. In fact, one of the uh, uh, houses did say that uh, they, they were turning away from that. So... The, the economy doesn't go over the cliff, but he can still blame Democrats for the tax increase. He can still say he stood his ground and, and didn't give up and that uh, he needs four more years to really wrestle uh, the Democratic uh, spend and uh, tax policies to the ground. You know, uh, if Bruce Rauner had his way, we'd have yet another year without a budget. And just so everyone understands, when the state doesn't have a budget, it means that um, schools are underfunded. Uh, it means that medical care is decreasing in the state. 
Um, it means that the safety net, shelters, mental health facilities, things that people rely upon uh, to survive, really, um, are being cut, decimated, damage is being done. And that's what Bruce Rauner wanted to have happen by virtue of his vetoes. Uh, it is because of a bipartisan coalition that got together that a budget was passed. It was uh, 10 Republicans that joined with Democrats to uh, to basically say to Bruce Rauner, you're wrong. We have to keep this state out of junk status. Um, we've got to make sure that our safety net is funded and that our uh, correctional institutions are funded, police are funded, etc. So uh, it's Bruce Rauner's failure here that's taken the state to the brink. Uh, there's no win out of this. Now, Bruce Rauner said, as you heard him say, that he's never been happier in 20 years. His wife's never seen him happier in 20 years. Well, the people of the state of Illinois aren't happy. And so I don't know why Bruce Rauner should think uh, that, that he should be happy. So we're now faced with real challenges. That was not a good budget that got passed. It was just the bare minimum that was needed to avoid junk status. So now we need to actually go about governing in the state, and Bruce Rauner is failing at that. Um, one thing that still hasn't been passed is a, a school funding bill. Uh, how how do you see that playing out? Because maybe not all the people who were uh, not with the governor, um, the Republicans who voted against the governor, may not all do so this time when you have a b bill that the governor says is a Chicago bailout? Well, Senate Bill 1, which you're referring to, which is the uh, the fix of the school funding formula for the state, uh, is something that's been awaited uh, around Illinois for mm, six or eight years. I and mean, we have the most antiquated funding formula in the country. Um, and it's a problem that existed before Bruce Rauner became governor, um, he said he was going to do something about it, and then he didn't. So a bill was introduced that was uh, sponsored by Democratic Senator Andy Menard. Uh, that bill ultimately passed both the House and the Senate, uh, and the governor now has the opportunity coming up to uh, sign it or veto it. That bill would fund Chicago public schools. That bill would fund schools all across the state. By the way, 268 other School districts actually do better than the city of Chicago does, and yet the governor has made this a war on Chicago. He wants to amendatorily veto that Senate bill and take out just the funding for Chicago. It's because he likes to divide the state. He wants everyone else in the state to be against Chicago, and he wants Chicago to be against everyone else in the state. That's not leadership. That's leading from behind. I want to talk about another bill uh, because you... Uh... You know, even as we speak, you're going to leave this uh, interview and uh, hold a news conference on uh, House Bill 40. That's an abortion-related measure that uh, Governor Rauner calls divisive. Uh, explain what the bill would do and and why you don't see it as divisive. Well, there are two features of the bill to pay attention to. One of them is the fact that. Illinois has laws on the books that remain from back in the days of Roe v. Wade uh, being decided upon in the early 70s um, that gave women, women uh, the right to control uh, the health care for their own bodies. Um, and that, that right, uh, unfortunately, in Illinois law r remains uh, uh, prohibited. 
What I mean is in the code of Illinois law. So this bill would actually remove all of that code. The Supreme Court already overruled that code. But if the Supreme Court were to turn against Roe v. Wade, if Donald Trump appoints an anti-choice Supreme Court justice, another one, it is highly likely that Illinois would automatically become an anti-choice state. And that's not where the majority of people in Illinois stand on that issue. So this bill would remove the offensive language and make sure that Illinois remains a pro-choice state. The second feature of that bill is making sure that people who cannot afford to get women's health to um, achieve their right to uh, choice uh, are able to get it. Because here in Illinois uh, today, uh, unfortunately, Medicaid doesn't cover um, uh, abortion rights, and neither does a state health insurance for state workers. So it would overturn both of those. You know what? Bruce Rauner ran for governor in 2014, and he told everybody that he was pro-choice and that he didn't have some kind of social agenda. And here he is. He's now said and threatened he's going to veto HB 40. Now, I'm hopeful that the efforts of my campaign to pressure him to sign HB 40, to live up to his obligation, uh, will be successful. We've had thousands and thousands of people send Bruce Rauner cards indicating they want him to sign it. We've had thousands of people call the governor's office to get him to support HB 40, to not veto it, but rather to sign it. And I'm hopeful that he might, but I'm also pessimistic, having seen the governor, having heard his words, that he won't stand up for the promise that he made. And if he doesn't, then frankly, he lied. Isn't it a sign of the kind of politics that we have that it, it, it seems to be a calculation that the governor can't afford to lose uh, the conservative base of his party, which he might if he vetoed that bill. So choosing to do nothing, you know, leaves the status quo. Is, is that, I mean, are those the kinds of calculations that any politician has to make? How about standing on principle? How about standing up for your promises? Uh, where's that in politics? Uh, he promised the people that he was going to be pro-choice. He, he ran commercials telling everybody he was going to be pro-choice. And yet, here he is doing something completely different. And maybe he made political calculations, uh, but those are political calculations bad for the people of Illinois and for the women of Illinois. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore. My guest is Democratic candidate for Governor J.B. Pritzker. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about you. Um, besides an unparalleled campaign war chest, uh, what makes you a better choice for getting our state out of these financial doldrums? And there's no, I don't think there's any denying that the state does need some serious fiscal help. Well, maybe the most important thing is that uh, during the course of my lifetime, um, I have stood up for social justice and economic justice, the values that my parents taught me, values that my faith taught me. Um, And as an adult, uh, I've carried those out in a variety of ways that have demonstrated that I can get things done for a lot of people in the state of Illinois. There are tens of thousands of kids who attend a museum that I helped to build that teaches them to fight bigotry and hatred and intolerance. That's the Illinois Holocaust Museum. It also teaches thousands of teachers to take it back to their classrooms all across the state and teach it. There are more than 
55,000 kids who got school breakfast every single day across the state because I worked to bring President Obama's No Kid Hungry program to low-income school districts and spread it across the state of Illinois. Only half of the districts were being covered when we started working on it, and then we added 55,000 more kids, and then we got the state legislature to add another 175,000 more kids. Those are big things that have affected people's lives. For 20 years, I've worked in early childhood education to make sure that we get quality childcare and quality preschool for thousands of kids in Illinois. And then 1871, you mentioned earlier, where we've created more than 6,000 jobs and where we've brought more than $100 million of capital in to help those small new businesses get started. These are all big things that I've worked on and accomplished during my life. And I've done those things by bringing people together, by getting elected leaders and community leaders and nonprofit leaders and ordinary Illinoisans, everyday Illinoisans, to work together to figure out how do we solve the problem. I provided leadership and vision, and then we all pulled on the oar together. You know what? We need more of that in Springfield, and we shouldn't have this kind of divisive behavior that President that 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 uh, Governor Rauner has brought to Springfield. Uh, the divisive behavior that says that he's just not even going to negotiate. He's not going to find any compromise. He doesn't care. He's going to put up his right-wing agenda and say, give this to me or you can't have anything. Would you be willing to give up some of the things that uh, you push for and believe in in order to get a compromise through? I think you've got to stand on principle for the things that you believe in. I'm in favor of a, a progressive income tax in this state. I'm in favor of the fight for 15, a $15 minimum wage. Um, these are things that are important to stand up for, and I think that we can get done in Illinois. Of course, you've got to sit down with the leaders of the other party and of your own party, and the legislature and the governor need to figure out how you get a budget that'll work for the state. And always there's push and pull, and there are things at the edges that you can, um, that you can give on and that you can get. And so that's how things work, but not with Governor Rauner. He walks into a room, he criticizes everybody, he walks out, holds a press conference, you know, uh, uh, frankly, trashing everybody that's in the room, and then he walks back in and hopes that they'll work with him. That's not how you negotiate. Finally, he isn't even walking in the room anymore. Well, uh, obviously there are critics and and some of your opponents uh, who have uh, suggested that you're not the 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 working class hero that uh, that you seem to be, uh, and one of those things involves property taxes. Of course, they say you've taken advantage of a property tax system that they despise uh, by having uh, one of your upscale uh, homes uh, declared uninhabitable and then taxed lower. And isn't that uh, kind of gaming the system? Well, I think the property tax system is flawed too. We've got a lot of work to do where, you know, in a world where low-income neighborhoods have the highest percentage property taxes uh, and where their schools are not being funded even uh, with those property taxes. Uh, so there's a lot of work to do uh, to fix the system. In my case, like 50,000 other people every year, I applied for a um, reassessment on my home. Um, and, you know, just like Bruce Rauner, just like Chris Kennedy, um, and just like those thousands of other people who do it every year, and I received one. And, you know, I my belief is that we've got to change the system. 
Uh, Bruce Rauner wants to talk about his sort of property tax freeze political stunt, uh, which frankly wouldn't fund schools. He doesn't tell you how he'll fund schools, and he simply wants to hamstring uh, every uh, city around the state. Uh, we need to have a, si- a, a, a solution to the funding of schools, and that means progressive income tax, which, by the way, will allow us to lower property taxes, not just freeze them. Every every city around the state, everybody that owns property around the state, um, in their local municipality, they'll be able to choose whether they want to keep their property taxes, freeze them, or they can lower them. But those should be choices made at the local level, and the state needs to step up. I want to be clear. There are 49 states that do better than we do in funding schools from the state level. We're 50th, 50th in state funding for education. 26% of funding for schools in Illinois comes from the state. In the average state, it's 46%. So if we doubled what we did at the state level, we'd just be average in the United States. I never thought, by the way, that Illinois would be 50th at anything, least of all at schools, at school funding. And that's the challenge here. We've got to step up to the plate at the state level and not put all of the burden on property taxes at the local level. Yeah. and But if you give uh, people a choice, you want your property taxes to be higher or lower, pretty Everybody. much we, we know that everybody's going to say lower. But with with some exceptions, there are I mean there are people who say I our local government needs more money, but doesn't that still start to hamstring local governments? Well, that that's my point is that you should make those choices at the local level. Why does Bruce Rauner want to have the state make those choices for you in your local municipality? You should decide. Do you want economic development, for example? Do you want infrastructure built? There, you know, do you want to pay for police and fire? Those are all choices. And if you decide, by the way, that now that the schools are better funded at the state level, uh, you can lower your property taxes, then do that. Um, I need to bring up the other controversy in your campaign. That came from a Chicago Tribune report uh, that uh, was based on FBI wiretaps that showed that you wanted a political office from then-Governor Rod Blagojevich, uh, the now-jailed Democrat first uh, offer you what was then Senator Obama or President Obama's vacant Senate seat? No, uh, he didn't. He hmm? didn't offer that to me. Well, he didn't. Uh, well, it, he sounded like that. That's what you guys were talking about. But you can, correct me on that. Yeah, no, uh, I'm happy to. And you know, to, first, uh, I knew when I decided to run for governor that uh, my opponents would throw everything in the kitchen sink, uh, particularly Governor Rauner. Um, and uh, the, the fact is that a nine-year-old leaked recording uh, now comes out on the day, by the way, when the governor had failed to introduce and get past a budget in Springfield the last day of session. Um, so a real distraction, in fact, from that. Um, I, I called the governor uh, at the time uh, to ask him for the opportunity, if it, it arose, to serve uh, as treasurer of the state. Um, and that was the, what the conversation was about. Remember, Craig, that my whole life I have done public service, whether it's serving um, as a private citizen or uh, in the public sector. I've tried to do public service because those are the things that my parents taught us to do, to stand up for. You know, My sister served as the Secretary of Commerce. I served chairing the Illinois Human Rights Commission, turning that around in a bipartisan fashion, by the way. 
And these are all things that, you know, during my lifetime, trying to do public service has been very important to me. That's why that conversation took place. And I, I'm looking forward now to, you know, frankly, taking somebody out of office who isn't doing the public any service. Governor Rauner is failing. He is standing up for spreadsheets and not people. He doesn't understand that when you take away people's pensions and when you lower wages in the state and you lower workplace safety, you're harming your state. You're not helping your state. While we've got a couple of minutes, let's uh, talk about a couple of other issues. Uh, Jobs. Obviously, that's one answer for the kinds of problems that we're seeing in some of our uh, more urban areas. How do you attract them to the neighborhoods where they're needed most? Areas where a lot of businesses just don't want to go. So glad you raised that. Um, I introduced, in fact, uh, just about two months ago, um, a policy proposal that we should target opportunities to create small businesses in exactly those neighborhoods. Um, That, you know, when you create in a low-income neighborhood, when you create a small business that's started by somebody in that neighborhood, they'll hire people from that neighborhood, they'll build that business there, and then... Uh, Their expansion will be in a neighborhood next door. All good for Illinois for jobs. And here's the key. The owner of that that, that business that lives in that neighborhood can keep the profits and the equity in the neighborhood. That's building prosperity. And that's what we really want. So my proposal has been that we can provide small business and uh, microloans uh, to people in those neighborhoods through a state-sponsored fund that the state could partially guarantee and that we could get federal money for um, that would allow people to borrow money uh, to start their businesses, people who have a good idea, good market and service that they want to offer. Uh, and then uh, those folks would get technical assistance. The state has a program for that. And they would also get mentorship. Remember, I've done this before at 1871, help people start small businesses. And I think we can do this all over the state. We have the resources to do it, and we have the drive in those neighborhoods for people to start businesses, and that's going to be great for those neighborhoods. And we've heard talk about those concepts over the years. Why isn't it already happening? What, what What's going on with this administration or even the past ones that didn't have this happen? People made promises and didn't deliver. Remember what I said to you at the beginning of this interview that I've really gotten things done over the years. And so creating those 6,000 jobs or more at 1871, that's not an easy thing to do. But you do it by bringing people together to get to solve the problem. We could do this all over the state. I know we can. And remember, two-thirds of the jobs that get created in the state of Illinois come from small and startup businesses. That's something that the state ought to be an ally in. No one else is. I think I can be, and it's something I have real experience at. We've only got about a minute or so left, uh, and I'm going to ask you an even more difficult question, but we'll just have to get through it quickly, and that's about violence. Uh, What more can be done about people, too many young people, shooting each other with too many guns that seem to be on the streets? Well, there's several things that are, of course, causing these problems, but, but... Certainly, and we just touched on one of them with jobs, but absolutely. But 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 another, of course, is the safety net. When your last uh, connection with society, which may be a mental health facility or a shelter uh, or a food depository, um, when they're not being funded, 
uh, by the state when there's the state is shirking its responsibility as it has under Governor Rauner and his failure to get a budget done. People have no more connection. And by the way, people become desperate. And that's often when violent crime occurs. We have another problem, of course. We have a flood of guns that are coming in illegally from states around us. Um, All the states around us have lower regulation than we do. And it's often the case that those uh, guns flooding over the border are are, are the very guns that get captured when someone commits a crime. It turns out it was done with one of these illegal guns from outside of Illinois. We need to help stem the tide of those uh, influx of guns, and we need to keep guns off the streets and make sure that people who are caught with those guns are prosecuted and convicted and serve prison time. Thank you very much. That is Democratic gubernatorial hopeful J.B. Pritzker. Thank you for spending this half hour with us. Thanks, Craig. Great to be here. Uh, To our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website. That is cbschicago.com. You can follow the audio links. You can also find our podcasts on play.it. I will be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. WBBM and HD Chicago. WCFS FM and HD1 Elmwood Park, Chicago. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.